0: Story two, Chapters nine and ten of Freaks on the Fells. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Freaks on the Fells by R. M. Ballantyne. Story two, Chapter nine. On recovering from the stunning effects of the blow that had felled me, I found myself lying on a hard earthen floor, surrounded by deep, impenetrable darkness. Are you there, Jack? I sighed faintly.
1: Aye, Bob, I'm here. At least, all of me that's left. I confess to you that I do feel a queer sensation, as if one half of my head were absent and the other half a wanting, while the brain lies exposed to the atmosphere. But I suppose that's impossible.
2: Where are we, Jack?
1: We're in an outhouse, in the hands of planters. So I made out by what I heard them say when I got my senses back. But I've no notion of what part of the world we're in. Moreover, I don't care. A man with only one leg, no head, and an exposed brain isn't worth caring about. I don't care for him. Not a button.
2: Oh, Jack, dear, don't speak like that. I can't stand it.
1: You're lying down, ain't you?
2: inquired jack
0: yes
1: then how do you know whether you can stand it or not
0: i was so overcome and to say the truth surprised at my companion's recklessness that i could not reply i lay motionless on the hard ground meditating on our forlorn situation when my thoughts were interrupted by the grating sound of a key turning in a lock the door of the hut opened and four men entered each bearing a torch which cast a brilliant glare over the hovel in which we were confined. There was almost nothing to be seen in the place. It was quite empty. The only peculiar thing that I observed about it was a thick post with iron hooks fixed in it, which rose from the centre of the floor to the rafters, against which it was nailed. There were also a few strange-looking implements hanging round the walls, but I could not at first make out what these were intended for. I now perceived that Jack and I were chained to the wall going to the four corners of the apartment the four men placed the four torches in four stands that seemed made for the purpose and then approaching us ranged themselves in a row before us two of them i recognised as being the men we had first seen in the swamp the other two were strangers
2: so my bucks,"
0: began one of the former a hideous-looking man whose personal appearance was by no means improved by a closed eye a flattened nose and a swelled cheek the result of Jack's first flourish of his wooden leg.
2: So we've got you, have we? The hounds have got you, eh?
0: So it appears, replied Jack, in a tone of quiet contempt, as he sat on the ground with his back leaning against the wall, his hands clasped above his solitary knee and his stems revolving round each other slowly. I say, continued Jack, an expression of concern crossed his handsome countenance.
1: I'm afraid you're damaged, rather, about your headpiece. Your eye seems a little out of order, and pardon me, but your nose is a little too flat, uh, just a little. My poor fellow, I'm quite sorry for you, I really am,
0: though you are a dog. The man opened his solitary eye and stared with amazement at Jack, who smiled and putting his head a little to the other side returned to stare with interest
2: you're a bold fellow
0: said the man on recovering a little from his surprise
1: i'm sorry
0: retorted jack
1: that i cannot return you the compliment
0: i was horrified i saw that my poor friend probably under the influence of madness had made up his mind to insult and defy our captors to their teeth regardless of consequences i tried to speak but my lips refused their office the man grinned horribly and gnashed his teeth while the others made as though they would rush upon us and tear us limb from limb but their chief for such the spokesman seemed to be restrained them ha he gasped looking fiercely at jack and at the same time pointing to the implements on the wall
1: do you see these things not being quite so blind as you are i do do you know what they're for not being a demon, which you seem to be, I don't. Ha! These are...
0: He spoke very slowly and hissed out the words between his teeth.
1: Torturers. What?
0: Inquired Jack, putting his head a little more to one side and revolving his thumbs in a contrary direction by way of variety.
2: Torturers, Man, torturers! What do you twirl your thumbs like that for, eh?
1: Because it reminds me how easily, if I were unchained and had my wooden leg, I could twirl you around your own neck, and cram your heels into your own mouth, and ram you down your own throat. There's nothing left of you but extreme ends of your shirt collar sticking out of your eyes.
0: The mention of this peculiarly complicated operation seemed to be too much for the men. Setting up a loud yell, they rushed upon Jack and seized him. Quick, the screws! cried the man with the flattened nose a small iron instrument was brought jack's thumbs inserted therein and the handle turned i heard a harsh grating sound and observed my poor companion's face grow deadly pale and his lips turn blue but he uttered no cry and to my surprise he did not even struggle stop i shouted in a voice of thunder the men looked round in surprise at that moment a great idea seemed to fill my soul i cannot explain what it was to this day i do not know what it was it was a mystery an indescribable mystery i felt as one might be supposed to feel whose spirit were capable of eating material food and had eaten too much it was awful under the impulse of this sensation i again shouted stop
2: why i cannot tell you why until you unscrew that machine quick it is of the deepest the most vital importance to yourselves
0: the extreme earnestness of my voice and manner induced the men to comply almost i might say in spite of themselves
2: now lad what is it mind your turn is coming so don't trifle with us
0: trifle
2: with you
0: i said in a voice so deep and slow and solemn with a look so preternaturally awful that the four men were visibly impressed
2: listen i have a secret to tell you a secret that intimately concerns yourselves. It is a fearful one. You would give all you possess, your wealth, your very lives, rather than not know it. I can tell it to you, but not now. All the tortures of the Inquisition could not drag it out of me. Nay, you need not smile. If you did torture me before I told you this secret, that would have the effect of rendering my information useless to you nothing could then save you i must be left alone with my friend for an hour go you may leave us chained you may lock and bar your door you may watch and guard the house but go leave us much too much valuable time has been already lost come back in one hour here i pulled up my watch in one hour and three minutes and five seconds exactly not sooner go quick as you value your lives your families your
0: property and hark in your ear here i glared at them like a maniac and sank my voice to a deep hoarse whisper
2: as you value the very existence of your slaves go leave us instantly and return at the hour named
0: the men were evidently overawed by the vehemence of my manner and the mysterious nature of my remarks Without uttering a word, they withdrew and locked the door behind them. Happily, they left the torches. As soon as they were gone, I threw my arms round my comrade's neck and, resting my head on his shoulder, bemoaned our sad lot.
2: Dear, dear Jack, have they hurt you? Oh,
1: nothing to speak of.
2: But I say,
1: Bob, my boy, what on earth can this monstrous secret be? It must be something very
2: tremendous.
0: My poor Jack said I, regardless of his question.
2: Your thumbs are bruised and bleeding. Oh, that I should have lived to bring you to this. Come, come, Bob, enough of that. They
1: are a little soreish, but nothing to what they would have been had you not stopped them. But, I say, what is this secret? I'm dying to know. My dear boy, you've no idea how you looked when you were spouting like that. YOU MADE MY FLESH CREEP, I ASSURE YOU. COME, OUT WITH IT. WHAT'S THE SECRET?
0: I FELT AND NO DOUBT LOOKED, SOMEWHAT CONFUSED.
2: DO YOU KNOW,
0: JACK? SAID I, SOLEMNLY. I HAVE NO SECRET WHATEVER. JACK GASPED AND STARED.
2: NO SECRET, BOB? NOT THE MOST DISTANT SHADOW OF
0: ONE. JACK PULLED OUT HIS WATCH AND SAID IN A LOW VOICE,
2: BOB,
1: MY BOY, we have just got about three-quarters of an hour to live when these villains come back and find that you've been humbugging them they'll brain us on the spot sure as my name is john brown and yours is robert smith romantic names both of them, especially when associated with the little romance in which we are now involved
0: (laughs) i shrank back from my friend with the terrible dread which had more than once crossed my mind that he was going mad.
2: "'Oh, Jack, don't laugh, pray. Could we not invent some secret to tell them?'
0: "'Not a bad idea,' returned my friend gravely.
2: "'Well, let us think. What could we say?'
1: "'Ay, that's the rub. Suppose we tell them seriously that my wooden leg is a ghost, and that it haunts those who ill-treat its master, giving them perpetual bangs on the nose, and otherwise rendering their lives miserable.'
0: I shook my head.
1: Well, then, suppose we say we've been sent by the Queen of England to treat with them about the liberation of the niggers at a thousand pounds a head, one hundred paid down in gold, the rest in American chin plasters.
2: That would be a lie, you know, Jack.
1: Oh, come, that's good. You're wonderfully particular about the truth. For a man who's just told such tremendous falsehoods about a secret that doesn't exist
2: true jack i replied seriously i confess that i have lied but i did not mean to i assure you i had no notion of what i was saying i think i was bewitched all your nonsense rolled out as it were without my will indeed i did not mean to tell lies yet i confess to my shame that i did there is some mystery here which i can by no means fathom
1: fathom or not fathom
0: rejoined my friend, looking at his watch again.
1: You got me into this scrape, so I request you get me out of it. We have exactly twenty-five minutes and a half before us now.
0: Jack and I now set to work in real earnest to devise some plan of escape or to invent some plausible secret. But we utterly failed. Minute after minute passed, and as the end of our time drew near we felt less and less able to think of any scheme until our brains became confused with the terror of approaching an inevitable death aggravated by previous torture i trembled violently and jack became again uproarious and sarcastic suddenly he grew quiet and i observed that he began to collect a quantity of straw that was scattered about the place making a large pile of it he placed it before us and then loosened one of the torches in its stand there said he with a sigh of satisfaction when all was arranged
1: We shall give our amiable friends a warm reception when they come.
2: But they will escape by the door,
0: said I, in much anxiety,
2: and we only shall perish.
1: Oh, never mind that, Bob. We can only die once. Besides, they shan't escape. Trust me for that.
0: As he spoke, we heard approaching footsteps. Presently, the key turned in the lock, and the door opened. End of Story 2 Chapter 9 story two chapter ten punctually to a minute our jailers returned and once again drew up in a row before us
2: now lads
1: what have you got to say my friends
0: began jack standing up and balancing himself on one leg as well as he could at the same time speaking with the utmost gravity and candor of expression
1: my companion here in temporary distress for i feel that it will be but temporary has devolved upon me the interesting duty of making known to you the secret which has burdened his own mind for some time and which has had so impressive and appropriate an effect on yours. But first I must request you lock the door and hang the key on this nail at my elbow. You hesitate? Why? I am in chains, and so is my comrade. We are two, you are four. It is merely a precaution to prevent the possibility of anyone entering by stealth and overhearing what I say.
0: The man with the battered face locked the door and hung up the key as directed, merely remarking with a laugh that we were safe enough anyhow, and that if we were humbugging him, it would be worse for us in the long run.
2: Come
1: now, out with your secret,
0: he added impatiently. Certainly. Answered Jack with increased urbanity, at the same time taking down the key, which caused the four men to start and gazing at it in a pensive manner.
1: The secret, ah, yes, well, it's a wonderful one. Do you know, my lads, there would not be the most distant chance of your guessing it
0: if you were to try ever so much. Well, but what is it? cried one of the men, whose curiosity was now excited beyond endurance. It is this rejoined Jack, with slow deliberation.
1: That you four men are...
0: Well, they whispered, leaning forward eagerly,
1: the most outrageous, unmitigated asses we ever saw. Ha! I thought it would surprise you. Bob and I are quite agreed upon it. Pray don't open your eyes too wide, in case you should find it difficult to shut them again. Now, in proof of this great and to you, important truth, let me show you a thing. Do you see this torch? Taking it down. And that straw? Lifting up a handful. Well, you have no idea what an astonishing result will follow the application of the former to the latter. See?
0: To my horror, and evidently to the dismay of the men, who did not seem to believe that he was in earnest, Jack Brown thrust the blazing torch into the center of the heap of straw. The men uttered a yell and, rushing forward, threw themselves on the smoking heap in the hope of smothering it at once. But Jack applied the torch quickly to various parts. The flames leaped up. The men rolled off in agony. Jack, who had somehow managed to break his chain, hopped after them, showering the blazing straw on their heads and yelling as never mortal yelled before. In two seconds the whole place was in a blaze and i beheld jack actually throwing somersets with his one leg over the fire and through the smoke punching the heads of the four men most unmercifully catching up blazing handfuls of straw and thrusting them into their eyes and mouths in a way that quite overpowered me i could restrain myself no longer i began to roar in abject terror in the midst of this dreadful scene the roof fell in with a hideous crash and jack bounding through the smoking debris cleared the walls and vanished at the same moment i received a dreadful blow on the side and awoke to find myself lying on the floor of my bedroom and our manservant edwards furiously beating the bed-curtains which i had set on fire by upsetting the candle in my fall why mr robert gasped edwards sitting down and panting vehemently after having extinguished the flames
2: what have you been a-doin of
0: I was standing speechless in the midst of my upset chair, table, and books, glaring wildly, when the man said this. Edwards? I replied with deep solemnity. The mystery's
2: cleared up at last. It has all been a dream. What's been all a dream? You ain't been abed all night, for the clothes is never touched, and it's broad daylight. What has been up?
0: I might have replied that, according to his own statement, I had been up, but I did not. I began gradually to believe that the dreadful scenes I had witnessed were not reality, and an overpowering sense of joy kept filling my heart as I continued to glare at the man until I thought my chest would rend asunder. Suddenly, and without moving hand, foot, or eye, I gave vent to a loud, sharp, Hurrah! Edward started, Eh?
2: Hurrah! Hurrah! It's a dream! hello i say you know come this won't hurrah bless my art master Ro
0: again i interrupted him by seizing my cap swinging it round my head in an ecstasy of delight and uttering cheer upon cheer with such outrageous vehemence that edwards who thought me raving mad crept towards the door intending to bolt he was prevented from carrying out his intention and violently overturned by the entrance of my father and. Abil- i sprang forward plucked the spectacles off his nose threw my arms round his neck and kissed him on both eyes
2: i won't run away now father no 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 it's all a dream
0: a horrid dream <laughs>
1: bob my dear boy
0: at this moment jack also in rushed in hello bob what's all the row i experienced a different but equally powerful gush of feeling on seeing my friend leaving my father i rushed towards him and falling on his neck burst into tears yes i confess it without shame reader if you had felt as i did you would have done the same jack led me gently to my bed and seating me on the edge of it sat down beside me i at once perceived from their looks that they all thought me mad and felt the necessity of calming me before taking more forcible measures this tickled me so much that i laughed again heartily insomuch that jack could not help joining me suddenly a thought flashed into my mind my heart leaped to my throat and i glanced downwards it was there i seized jack's right leg tumbled him back into the bed and laying the limb across my knee grasped it violently all right i shouted straight firm muscular supple as ever i squeezed harder jack roared i say bob gently hold your tongue said i pinching the thigh do you feel that oh ah don't and that stop him Uh, i say dear boy have mercy jack tried to raise himself but i tilted him back and grasping the limb in both arms hugged it after breakfast jack and i retired to my room where the weather being unfavorable for our fishing excursion i went all over it again in detail After that, I sent Jack off to amuse himself as he chose, and, seizing a choir of foolscap, mended a pen, squared my elbows, and began to write this remarkable account of the reason why I did not become a sailor. I now present it to the juvenile public, in the hope that it may prove a warning to all boys who venture to entertain the notion of running away from home and going to sea. End of story 2, chapter 10 End of Freaks on the Fells, Three Months rustication, Story 2, by R. M. Ballantyne.